Welcome to the Get Inspired with GERD show, brought to you by GERD's Hundle. Join us each week to be inspired, informed and uplifted with some of the most inspirational and motivational guests from around the world. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay inspired. Hello and welcome to another show of Get Inspired with Goods. I'm your host and today I have an amazing guest with me who's changing the face of psychotherapy with a unique kind of twist which we'll talk about later on today. To me she is just one of the most genuine people I know. Sunita Batani to me is just an absolute inspiration to another level. She's a psychotherapist and author and she's helping individuals to attain their inner peace through the mind, body, spirit and emotional well-being. Sunita, welcome to my radio show and thank you for joining me. Great to be here, guys. Oh, bless you, Sunita. You're an absolute inspiration for women out there. Can you tell the listeners when your fascination with science, spirituality and consciousness started? Yeah, I think it's really interesting, actually, because I think I was very young, maybe at about six years old, um, when I remember having a really... (laughs) <laughs> I remember having a really weird question actually going through my mind and you know I've done quite a few of these interviews and people are always surprised to hear that at that age but it's amazing actually at that age how creative we are mm-hmm. um, and I was like I, re- I actually remember thinking that I wonder what would happen if there was um, no longer a world or no longer a universe and you know like at that age you just wow. around in circles because circles, it's like well hang on if there, if there was no universe or there was no nothing that would actually kind of mean the end of end of everything you know and it was kind of a question that I just kind of put to the back of my mind you know um like a fleeting question back of my mind and then really you know up until I guess mid-teens I just did what you know people usually do go to school do your A-levels do you know go to university and stuff um and then at 19 again um I actually had a conversation with somebody and he recommended that I read um book by James Redfield, um, The Celestine Prophecy, actually, to start with. And actually, I remember buying the book, and I didn't actually read it, but my husband read all of it at the time. (laughs) He was really fascinated with it, actually. Um, And so... Um, you know, it, it just kind of went from there. I started reading bits and pieces. Um, again, I, you know, qualified as a teacher originally. And, you know, along the way, knew it wasn't really, I couldn't see myself teaching in schools forever. Um, and really, you know, long story short, I got to about sort of mid-20s. And after the collapse of the business, um, which I, which is really when I think life really kind of brought me down to my knees. That's really when I started to seriously contemplate and look for ways that, you know, I was in a really bad way, eating disorder, um, you know, financial crisis. It was a really, really bad time. And um, I sort of started looking for ways that, you know, there's got to be a way out of this because this seriously cannot be what life is about, you know. Um, and I just kind of stumbled upon it, to be honest, Gerd. And that's really when I noticed that that yearning that I'd had within me, because I'd always had like this void where I didn't really you know know I knew I wanted to do something but I couldn't put my finger on what it was Mm. um and that's really when that started to become clearer step by step it wasn't like I had like an epiphany or anything it was just like wow okay I really like this um okay so let me now go and study um you know hypnotherapy and psychotherapy which I did this was really good as well and then slowly as I started to look outside of the box you know I started seeing clients and I started noticing that conventional psychotherapy wasn't always working too well and that's really when I started to research a little bit about 
well, who, who am I and who are we? Because actually I can't be going on helping people if I don't have some idea about who I am at the very core, so to speak, you know. Mm. Um, and for me, it wasn't enough. It wasn't just about like tools and techniques or theory. It was actually, right, well, you know, I mean, what am I? Am I a body? Am I a mind? Am I a soul? Does a soul even exist? And that's really when I started to play around with or research around the topic, um, you know, of near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, wow. and started to tie all of this information into into my therapy practice, really. Wow, that's amazing. Just, wow, it's unbelievable. But it just shows, like, it doesn't matter who you are, you will you can find your journey if you're willing to go out there and find it. Absolutely. I mean, good. You know what? I'm I'm an Indian girl, right, from East London. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's There's amazing. nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely right. That isn't. But, you know, generally, when you think, think about it and you think, oh, my goodness, like, you know, um, how the journey's actually unfolded. And, you know, I think you're right. The only thing is the only difference between somebody who follows their dream and somebody who doesn't, I think is that the first person decides or wants to give it a go to actually follow their dream. And it's not an easy process. Um, well, it wasn't to me anyway, but it does come together if you just stick with it. Yes, no, I, I know exactly how you feel. And like yourself, not judging myself, but I'm a Leeds girl, so... <laughs> oh, there you go. Yes. <laughs> coming, dreaming of becoming a journalist, coming to London, and then suddenly thinking, bam, actually, I don't want to do this anymore. So, yeah, I, I totally understand. And it, But for you guys out there who's listening, it's so, so important to follow your dreams no matter what, because if you don't do it now, well, you'll get to a later stage in your life, and it will just keep... It'll keep just attacking you, won't it, Sunita? It will. You, you know what? If we talk about we talk about you know people having like midlife crises and things like that, and we talk about people slowly getting on. And you know, I can't remember where I read it. Goes years ago. I remember reading somewhere that you know a child's take on when a person gets older that the older they get, the grumpier they get. You know. <laughs> reading that and I remember thinking oh my goodness you know for so many people that can be true and mm. I think a lot of that is to do with just not opening up and daring to actually be the, the authentic you you know mm. um where are your skills where are you happy what do you like to do that sort of thing you know mm. um and I think not listening to that voice over time is quite often what leads to you know an unfulfilled life in the long run mm. definitely and I think the problem is as well is that in the so-called real world is that we're kind of too busy running to get great you know gr like we're trying to get great grades and then we're trying to get a good job but then in that process we kind of lose ourselves and we don't know who we are or, or what our identity is like you said the authentic self just kind of disappears absolutely yeah you know I think I think it's it's there all the time, but it becomes so layered by conditioning, you know, just conditioning. I mean, if you really look at it, Gertz, you know, you go to school, some people go to university, you get a job, commonly you may get married, have kids. Well, where there in between do you actually stop to breathe and say, well, who am I? And actually, what do I want to achieve? And unfortunately, quite often the problem is as well is, you know, youngsters as young as kind of 17 18 are being asked to decide what their future careers are yes. there's no way good. So, you know somebody would have said to me at 18 Sunita you know what are you gonna what do you think your career is gonna be in I wouldn't have had a clue good you know you just you, you do the best you can or you do what you're expected to do <laughs> you know no wonder half the people get to kind of you know older and they're they're just not not internally happy yeah they're just not being true to themselves and true to their purpose this is it, yeah. Mm. Wow, interesting. 
Um, so what I wanted to ask you next, Anita, was why do you think it why do you think it is that many people fail to distinguish like the connection between the mind, body and soul? I think really good. I think first of all, the question actually becomes what the three things actually mean, you know. Um, and I think part of the problem is that we live in a society that is very Newtonian in its approach, okay? So what I mean by Newtonian is it's very, there's a lot of emphasis on cause and effect, all right? So quite a lot of people, you know, quite a lot of time people will be into the body. And even if you look at modern medicine, a lot of modern medicine in recent years has been very focused on, okay, well, here's your problem. Here are the pills, you know. Now, <laughs> the thing is, I'm not for one minute saying that modern medicine isn't successful. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that there's a place for it. And it's very good with, you know, cases of emergency or cases with broken bones and things like that. But there is a whole array of, you know, other stuff that could be going on underneath. And I think now with modern medicine, we're beginning to see studies that are, you know, that are showing the link between, let's say, um, you know, stress and ill health, for example. Mm. So I think part of the problem has been that, you know, there, there isn't, hasn't been, and there still isn't really a clear definition for people to understand what the mind body and soul actually means and and more specifically when you're looking at the soul you know is there a soul even you know I, there are people out there for example who will be like no you know you, your body that's it you can't have a soul and if you do where does it come from it raises so many bigger questions this idea of the soul that you know we can kind of sometimes i guess get a little bit lost in the philosophy of things is that making sense yes no no i I'm completely agree like we are so similar in the sense when relating to medicines because uh, many listeners don't know I actually used to work in a pharmacy when I was 17 until I was 21 and I saw a lot of people coming in for medicines and being dependent on them like you said Sunita you're right they are great for short-term use but for long-term use it's not good it's only masking the pain it's not actually getting rid of the actual problem or the root cause Exactly, exactly. And I and you know, like we're saying, guys, there is a place for it. But, mm. you know, underneath that comes the element of kind of deeper healing. So quite often what I tend to do, you know, as I started to research for, for the book, The Transcendent Mind, one of the um, things that I really started to look at was the idea of, is there a soul, you know, and surprisingly enough, what I didn't realize, and I learned during the research was that actually, there were certain academic areas of study, for example, near death experiences, you know, we're not often told that, you know, for the last few decades, this has actually been a, a proper area of academic study. And you know, when you start to look at the findings in peer reviewed journals, and, and really look at the um, the, the, the the research that's going on in hospitals, I think, I'm not sure, but I think Newham General or Whips Cross, one of those hospitals, are actually, have been taking part in, um, in, an exper uh, in an experiment to do with consciousness. So I think a lot of the time, we're not actually even aware of what's going on out there. And again, it comes back to the question of who we are. Mm. And so how does emotional well-being tie into healing kind of oneself? um how does emotional okay well I actually see sort of the two as one I you okay. know uh, that really really we're looking at the same thing emotional well-being really is 
you, like I said, you know, you're beginning to see links between your emotional state and actually your physical state as well. Um, there's been plenty of work done on the idea of a placebo. So when people, <laughs> you know, think themselves um, better or they change change their internal view on an illness, it, it's been shown to actually have a positive impact on a person's physical health. So actually emotional well-being, I think, is what underpins physical well-being, um, you know, to to quite a quite a quite a high extent. I mean, I, I think we we're never going to be at the place where we'll be able to say that, you know, if you completely correct your thinking that there won't be any physical illness. That might be the case in a very small number of people, but sometimes things happen and we just can't explain them. And I guess that's the mystery of being um incarnated here, I suppose. <laughs> No, you're, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. It's so true. It's it's a very difficult one to answer as well, isn't it? It's it, it it's I think I guess it for everyone it's different, isn't it, Sunita? Um, yeah, I, I think it is, and really, I think it comes down to level of perception. Um, you see, it's interesting, Gertz, because there's there's evidence to suggest actually that what we think actually impacts our environment um, and mm. and also our outcome. So you see, the problem then becomes that if you've got somebody who's got a negative mindset and is used to living within that negative mindset, then actually for them, that may become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Whereas if you've then got somebody with a positive mindset, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So then we're left with this idea that, you know, well, what if you actually could get your thoughts aligned, you know, with, with a really high vibration and the high frequency of love? If you were able to do that, what would that actually mean for your physical health? So it's very individual. You know, it really does depend on where you are um, as a person. Wow. So obviously you're now a psychotherapist. So how do you tie in the mind, body, spirit and emotional well-being into that? Well, what, what, what I'll do is, Gerds, let me just, I'll put it into context for you. So when I started practicing as a conventional psychotherapist, um, and I had a private practice, I started noticing that I was having people coming in, and some of them were okay with conventional therapeutic techniques, um, and some of them weren't. So my first question was, was, well, is it me? You know, I'm a new therapist, I may not be doing things correctly. And part of it could have been, but then I started recognising that actually these people had been to previous therapists as well. Um, so I thought, okay, right, so if it's, it might not all be me, is it you? <laughs> is it you? Do you want to be here? And again, in some cases, you would get people who just really weren't committed. But in other cases, you would actually get people who really, really, really wanted to heal. So I thought, well, that's interesting. What's missing? You know, and at the same time, I was kind of reading around outside of the box as well. So I started off with a text called A Course in Miracles, which, of course, was written by two psychologists um, who, and, you know, if you get a chance, I don't know whether you have, but if you haven't, you must check this text out. It's absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. And in that, in that book, there was a really interesting concept of, you know, the fact that there's one consciousness, a unified consciousness that has been split into individual um, minds, which would be us. Now, I read that and I thought, well, that's interesting. After that, I read the Bhagavad Gita. And again, you had wow. the same thing that was coming up in that, you know, the idea that there was a unified, all-pervading consciousness. And we are all manifestations of that one pervading consciousness. And so me being quite logical, my next natural question was, well, where am I actually going to go to validate this? You know, how, if this is true, how do we know it's true? 
So again, that's when I started to really consider the near-death experiences, recognising that it was an academic era of study. And quite frankly, some of the experiences, Gerds, of what, you know, of what people had had, and especially the ones who had been where the studies had been done with cardiac patients. So, you know, there would be no blood flow to the brain. The person would be clinically dead for minutes. I think the the, the longest case that I've ever re- uh, seen has been a person has been clinically dead for three days in the morgue um, before. Yes, before he came back to life again. It's quite a famous case. Yeah, he was actually a doctor, Dr. George Rodanaya. Um, and what was interesting in, in with his case so when they came to do his autopsy they've come to do it and you know his eyes have opened once and they've closed them because you can have I guess reflexes once the body is you know body's clinically dead oh, wow. um happened again third oh time third time when it happened the, the, the nurse and doctor recognized that actually there seemed to be life in this person and 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 there was indeed and he came alive and what was even more fascinating was what happened in between that time you know when he was when he was clinically dead. I mean, he'd come back and he he knew everything that had happened because he was like, oh well, my not my physical body, you know, unconsciousness. And he was, he, it was a phenomenal case. You know, wow. I won't go into the whole case here, but there's plenty of cases out there that sort of suggest the idea that, you know, we are in fact consciousness. Now, okay, so I started looking at this and I thought, wow, this is pretty amazing because if this is the case, this seriously has an impact on psychotherapeutic practice. Yes. You know? <laughs> and then of course I started, I started reading around the idea of, um, you know, the fact that we're all interconnected. And again, there have been experiments done to show that, you know, plants, for example, are very attuned to humans. Um, plants are not only very attuned, they can sense when a human has um, a detrimental thought about them. This work was done back in the 1960s, actually. Wow. Um, you know, so all of this work started to come together and the crux of it was this, Gertz. At the end, I was like, right. So basically, if we are all interconnected and if we are one at the very core, which is actually what all the spiritual texts do happen to say, yeah. how does this actually impact us? And the answer, quite simply, is that it motivates us to be a different person. That if you and I knew that we were one at the very core, there is reason for forgiveness. There is reason for compassion. There is reason for kindness, you know. Um, and when you don't have a motivation, as you already know, because of the work that you do, it's difficult to get somebody to do something if there's no level of motivation. Yes. <laughs> you know? So that's that's one of the first things. And of course, it's come in very handy with cases such as bereavement, for example, that, you know, and I, I always say, look, I don't, is our near-death experiences you know are they true I don't know and that's the truth but what I do know is there's academic research to suggest that they are and the people with whom I have shared the information with have found great great comfort and great peace from it and there you go job done into them therapy you know so yeah that's that's how I would say it's very interlinked so you know it's really about getting the person to go a little bit deeper than the body and the mind and really go to the crux of who we are Wow. It's interesting you were saying that. I didn't want to stop you as you were talking. There's, there was an article I read a, a while back about a monk who still sat in a, um, in, in kind of like the lotus position. Mm. and they unwrapped him. It, apparently they say he's still alive, but he's, he's locked in kind of a... Basically, like they're saying that he's so deeply within meditation that they can't even awaken this person up. But I, I'm not sure if it's true, but from looking at the photos, it was quite surprising so, yeah, I, I know which case you're talking about, actually. I had a look at that. But I, I again, it's hard to say, isn't yeah. it? It's, it's 
to say, but you know what I think you can never quite rule anything out. We just don't know, do we? <laughs> exactly. And also, it was interesting that you said about plants um, that they can sense emotions. It's the same with cats as well. Apparently, that cats. If you're very negative, cats will usually walk around you more, just trying to get rid of that negativity. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, cats. In fact, there's been a lot of study done with dogs as well, um, knowing when their owners are at the end of the street. Um, Lots and lots of different studies done. You know, yeah, the work of, for example, Rupert Sheldrake did a huge amount of of, of work in this area. Um, So this is what I'm saying, guys. There's so much, you know, amazing information and research out there. We just don't really get get, get, get to grips with it unless we actually sit and, and hunt it out. Amazing. So obviously you kind of you kind of apply the traditional psychotherapy, but also this other side of psychotherapy. And how like what kind of testimonials have you received since doing that? Um quite well, I would say visit the website. <laughs> <laughs> um, generally speaking, guys, what I what I tend to tend to say is look, my type of working is a little bit outside of the box and it's not suited to everybody. Mm. But out of all of the people that I've worked with, a vast, vast majority of them um, have gone on to, to self-heal themselves. Um, wow. You know, so it's 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 worked um, very, very well for a vast, vast majority. I think perhaps only a very small handful of people um, that, you know, haven't, it's not been successful with. And I think also there are different reasons for that. It's not necessarily because the technique isn't, um, useful. It might just be that it's not suited to the person, or they're not ready to go that that deep at times. You know, I mean, I do get people coming in who just do not want to go that side at all. Just want the conventional techniques, um, and that's fine as well. You know, so it's it's very individual. Amazing. So you now have a book called out called the Transcendent Mind: uh, The Missing Piece in Emotional Wellbeing. Can you tell us more about this? Yeah, so the transcendent mind is basically um, this idea of that we are a unified consciousness. Um, So the more I worked, the more I researched, the more that, you know, a picture started to emerge, you know, and the interesting thing is, it was actually almost a marriage between science and spirituality, you know, Um, in the new era of science, um, you will, you may have heard that, you know, latest kind of quantum physics is beginning to show um, that there is some evidence for what spirituality is saying but I think again it's really important to be objective that quantum physics at this point I don't necessarily think is the complete answer but it's definitely it's it's working and it's along along the right lines you know um so the book basically first couple of chapters looks at the idea builds a case for the fact that we are in fact a transcendent mind which is a unified consciousness and the second half of the books actually covers the tools and techniques that actually somebody can take to work through so yeah okay and what why is it the trends of mind is so important for emotional healing i think really because it, it begins to get a little bit closer to the answer as to who we are and you know the thing is girls it really comes down to we can't really truly heal if we don't first know who we are um you know and i'm it, it's it's not a, it's not an absolutely necessary prerequisite but from experience i do think that the more people understand who they are at the core um you know the more healing becomes a little bit more conducive so i think and again it gives you that motivation doesn't it with forgiveness and and all sorts so I think the transcendent mind is very very important because it is literally giving us guidance 
as to who we are, who we really are, and that we're just not a body and just not a mind, there is a little bit more to us as well. No, I, def- I definitely agree with you. I think also the stuff to do with past lives as well that ties yeah. into who we're supposed to be at the moment. And sometimes those situations from the past can crop up into our future as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's there's that, you know, it's the idea of looking at birth charts, you know, telling us where our life lessons are, what we may be holding on to. Um, and, you know, it's it's good because there was actually there's some work being done to suggest and this is fascinating. Sometimes you come in, sometimes people will come in and there'll be no psychological trigger for what they're going through. Oh, wow. so, let's, so let's say, for example, that they've come in and they're suffering from extreme anxiety and it's just come on all of a sudden. So they've been checked physically we've looked for psychological triggers there's nothing there can't find it well you know there's been work to suggest that it's possible that let's say this person's great great grandfather was in a war and had uh, suffered um, a trauma that person's body cells dna has held onto that trauma and passed the trauma on through the generations okay wow Yeah, so what's then happened is this great-grandchild, it's not that they've been born with the trauma, it's basically in their environment they could have experienced a a small trauma on their own or a minor car accident or they could have somebody said something and it's literally triggered that particular gene in order to express the pent-up emotion that was stored generations before, you know. Um, so wow. every this is what I mean, the power of us being interlinked, it works in so many ways. Um, the, the possibilities are endless, really, you know, how we could go on to treat people. That's so interesting because <laughs> this situation, I do laugh with my friends about this. I don't know what it is, but I've always got this kind of almost warrior mentality with within me like it doesn't matter what life throws at me I just get up and I fight and I've always said as a joke to my friends that I feel like I was in a war right yeah yeah <laughs> so it could, could be, be. <laughs> just don't just don't know where it's come from you know it could be could be yeah. recent incarnation could not be we, we don't know you know until we sit down and have a good long chat as to where it could have come from and how to move on to it but there you go yeah, because I think sometimes things in our lives, we can't explain where they've come from and we can keep looking and di- digging and digging into our current lives. But the answers, like you said, are not always necessarily there. They're, they're from the past. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. That's really, that's really insightful. I, I never really saw, like thought of that in that kind of way. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? That's yeah. what I mean. There's so much out there. It's just, it's phenomenal. My brain's now ticking about everything. <laughs> Um, so what are the four elements on which transcend sorry transcendent healing is based? Okay, so you know, as an overview in this book, because actually, guys, this book is an overview of what I consider emotional healing to be. Okay, mm. so the four elements, the first element that I think is really important is for somebody to understand emotional wounding. Okay, so how have you ended up where you've ended up? Where are the wounds? How have the wounds accumulated? You know, um, it's a little bit like as you're growing up, you know, everything that we experience emotionally goes deeper and it goes deeper. And, you know, if then if they're not worked with, it becomes it becomes an issue. So the first um, element is all about learning about how your mind operates and really learning about what emotional wounding is. The second element is understanding emotional healing. And one of the things that I came across, you know, as I was working was that people understand quite often sometimes where their problems come from so they get the mind and they get you know they they understand that okay my past experiences have brought me here but they sometimes don't get to see what healing looks like and this is so important because healing for everybody isn't necessarily a case of um 
you know, instantaneous, it can quite often be a case of two steps forward, one step backwards. And every person that you work with is going to be different. Okay. So it really looks at the idea of, and also the idea of intention and allowing. So that is all to do with our role as an individual mind, as well as our role as a transcendent mind. Okay. Mm -hmm. The third element is looking at tools. So there are seven um, sort of tools that I've I've outlined um, in, in the book okay. that I've talked about. And in fact, actually, if any of your listeners want, if they visit my website, which is www.sunitapatani.com, they can actually download chapter eight, which is a whole list of the seven tools um, for free, basically. So they can, they can get that from the website. Um, and the final element is looking at the role of nutrition. Um, quite often when we work with the mind, you know, people who are really into changing the mind sometimes say that the mind is completely responsible for everything, but they fail to recognize the role that the body plays. And, you know, so the level of nutrition that we're ingesting is having a direct impact on the way our mind is functioning. Mm. So, yeah. I absolutely agree with that because I, funny enough, Sunita, I've been a vegetarian for just over a year and a bit and I found that I've got more energy now than I've had since the age of 12. Yeah, amazing. And it's it's all to do, and also even a lot of the food that we're eating, even if it's fresh, um, a lot of it, there's a lack of nutrients these days because we're not getting, the food's not getting enough sunlight like before. Right. And yeah. a lot of the fruit and vegetables are actually put under UV lights now mm. when they're being mm. grown. Yeah. So I'm seeing, I, I can understand where you're coming from on that point as well. Um, Absolutely, yeah. So uh, we are coming towards the end of the show. It's gone so quick already. It has, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask you so many more questions. Uh, <laughs> what are your five top tips for someone who's kind of stuck in the past? Okay, so this is what I would say. Number one, be willing. Okay, be willing and committed to move on. First, that is actually a prerequisite. Amazing how many people will say that, yeah, you know what, I really want to change and not willing to put the work in. It is going to require work. So number one, be willing. Number two, be authentic. You know, get in touch with who you really are. It is likely that if somebody has been following um, non-authenticity for a long time you know you may actually have trouble getting in touch with that part of you but I do outline this in the seven tools actually um, in the book as well so be authentic as the second number three probably the most underrated exercise ever stop breathe and relax it will slow your mind down this tool literally if it's if it's used and practiced properly, has the potential to heal a lot of our emotional issues, addiction, self-harm, suicidal thoughts, wow. you know, or not even, you know, things that even, not even to that extent. It could just be procrastination or worry or whatever it is that comes up, okay, if you, if you learn how to do this properly. So that's number three, stop, breathe, relax. Number four is watch your nutrition, okay, which we've just talked about. I have had cases, I had a case come in two years ago, severe anxiety, had been checked medically, kept a food diary, eliminated white rice, and anxiety went overnight. It wasn't actually a psychological problem, it was a nutritional problem, okay? And number five is if you are looking to move forward, you need to address mind, body, spirit together. Learn about who you are at the very core and start to use that as your basis, as your building block to actually move on and heal. So there you go. That was number five. Wow. They're amazing five top tips. <laughs> Thank you for that. And um, I'm sure the listeners will definitely be taking them on board because I will be. <laughs> Brilliant. And, um, 
kind of what I wanted to ask you is, who would say is your biggest inspiration throughout your whole journey so far? My biggest inspiration? My God, that's a good question. <laughs> um, someone who's inspired you along the way? Somebody who's inspired me along the way. You know, I'm not sure that it's been any particular person, but I would say it's come from all of the many different books that I have read. Because when I was going through my journey, I didn't actually have a therapist or somebody to go to. I had to, like yourself, find out the answers for myself. So actually, every single probably book that I have read, I would say has been has been an inspiration. Wow. Yeah, I we know exactly where we're both coming from. It is, yeah. it is. It's almost like books and other people's stories is almost kind of helps us to understand who we are. Exactly. Exactly. You know, people that have ancestors, people that have come before us, people that are, you know, have an excellent understanding of who we are and how to heal. I mean, their knowledge and, and experience is invaluable. So, you know, it is you, you can learn so much through other people. So, so much. Wow. Amazing. And what are your future plans? um I don't know <laughs> I don't know I, I I figured that I didn't really plan um to getting here as such so I think day to day I just up, carry on upskilling myself um doing whatever I think feels right and I just let life uh, provide the rest really <laughs> love it absolutely love it and just before we leave um where can my listeners find you yeah, um, best way is probably through my website, which is www.sunitapatani.com. Um, and again, that's S-U-N-I-T-A-P-A-T-T-A-N-I. Um, yeah, that's probably the best way to, to get in touch. Perfect. So are there any other um, events happening or workshops? Um, in the over here, actually, in the UK, no, because I'm complete, I'm actually quite busy up until um, I next go. But I'll be in the US. I don't know whether any of you got less have got listeners out there. Um, yes. I'll be in West Coast, Seattle, and Oregon, teaching people how to actually get in touch with um, their sort of their inner wisdom, their higher self, basically. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole workshop around that. Um, and yeah, and then I'll be in Hungary in October. Um, and oh, and in Birmingham, I think in at the end of October too, or the beginning, tenth. I don't know. It's all on the website. <laughs> that's absolutely fine. Um, we'll definitely check it out. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, it's been lovely speaking with you, Sunita. You too, good. It's been pleasure's been all mine. Well, I'll definitely get you on the show in the future because it's just really interesting what you were saying. And I know we could talk about this for a lot longer and kind of delve in more about the transcend mind and how it all works. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you take care and I will definitely speak to you soon. Okay, take care. Ah, what an amazing interview with Sunita Patani. Thank you so much. That was just amazing. I've just got me thinking in a different way about past life regression, how the way we treat ourselves. And it's so, so important that we need to realise that the connection between the mind, body, spirits and emotional well-being. Um... And guys, definitely do check out Sunita's website. It's so, so important. If any of you guys are going through some situations in your life, please speak to her because I know for a fact that she could help you so much. Um, Unfortunately, it is the end of the show. Um, Just before I head off, don't forget you can find me on Twitter at IamGerds. That's I-A-M-G-U-R-D-S. You can find me on Facebook at Get Inspired with Gerds. And before I kind of say goodbye, I want to leave you with a beautiful quote. Tears are not a sign of weakness but of courage. Hiding your emotions is self-destructive and you will never allow yourself to heal.
So just understand that you need to connect with yourself. You need to understand yourself. You need to accept yourself because the moment you do, you will be powerful. You will change the world. You will change your life and you'll just be the person that you were supposed to be. You'll be your authentic self. Uh, unfortunately, I've got to say now bye guys, but take care and I will definitely speak to you soon. Bye. Join us each week to be inspired, informed and uplifted with some of the most inspirational and motivational guests from around the world. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay inspired.